Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Well, church, it's great to see you all this morning. I'm so glad to, to be in the house of the Lord worshiping. I'm so glad that you've all joined us online. I just want to continue on here a bit as we've been talking about strengthening our homes, strengthening our daily lives. Uh, we talked about strengthening with the word and we've been going over what Jesus taught about prayer here in Matthew chapter 6 because as we know our connection our communication our communing with God is you know such an important part of our relationship uh, with him and last week we talked about um, you know recognizing him as the Father who dwells in the heavenly realms, that the glory of His name may be the center on which our lives turn. We're reading this out of the Passion Translation because I think it's very familiar to most of you in other translations, but I think this just sheds some new light on it for all of us. So here in verse 10 is what we're going to cover today. It says, Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. You know, here when it says manifest your kingdom realm, it could also be translated bring forth the exercising of your dominion. Bring forth the exercising of your authority. Bring forth the exercising of your reign here on earth. You know, we have released into us because of what Jesus did. We have released into us the kingdom of God on the inside of us, but it's up to us to release that kingdom out to the earth. So when we're praying this prayer, when we're praying that that manifest your kingdom realm and cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven, we're, we're praying a big prayer there. We need to meditate on what this actually means, you know. God's word says the unfolding of his word brings light. This has, there's so much in these words to be unfolded to us. If we are gonna think upon, meditate on, what is the kingdom of God? It is the dominion, it is the authority. You know, we can't, you can't have a kingdom unless there's authority. In in the end of Matthew here, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. He's been given all authority and we've been given his name. But what we take and do with that is up to us. If we want to see heaven fallen down onto the earth like God intended, that's what his will is, that's what his purpose is, for us to release what he's put into us to the people around us, to the world around us. You know, it's only us that's keeping his kingdom from covering, covering the earth. The glory of God is gonna cover the whole earth, but it's up to us to release it. So this is a big prayer we're praying, guys. Think on this, meditate on this. Jesus is instructing us here. These are not just words to repeat as a religious you know, way of doing something. This is, this is kingdom truths. This is deep, crying out to deep. This is something on the inside of you that needs to, to grab a hold of God's kingdom what he's put on the inside of you and be willing, be willing to be that vessel that releases it, be willing to be humble, to be submitted 
to be in alignment with the things of God so that you have the ability to carry the power he's put on the inside, the dominion. You know, I, I love what it says at the end of, of Mark in this translation. Here in Mark 16, Jesus is, is about to uh, leave the earth again after he's, he's been communing with the disciples after his resurrection. It says, the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. That's what we're made for. <laughs> That's what we're to be releasing. That's what, how we are carrying the kingdom. We have Jesus actually consistently working with us and validating the message we speak by releasing signs and wonders. That's what accompanies us. That's what's on the inside of us. So church, let's pray this big prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take these words to heart and let's do something about it. I'm close with that. <laughs> amen, amen. I tell you, it'll pay, it'll pay to, to begin to meditate on the scriptures and not just, I mean, a lot of us have scripture memorized because we've been around church or we've grown up in church or we've been in the schools that, uh, that have taught us verses or whatever it may be. And sometimes I think we say things and we don't actually know why we're saying them. You know, we're, we're repeating things that the word says, but we don't actually know why, what Jesus was saying in them. So it's, uh, uh, it's one of those things we need to, we need to begin to press in to, to see what the Lord's actually speaking through these things, uh, speaking through his word. And, and, uh, and let's, release his, let's, let's release the kingdom. I'm telling you, this is, this is it. You know, I, I made, this, uh, made this comment, you know, I don't know, several weeks ago or a month ago. You know, there's, there's the, what, does anyone know what the main thing Jesus preached? You know, people say, oh, he preached love. He preached, he preached faith. Oh, he preached healing. Now, the main thing Jesus preached was the kingdom. This, this is what Jesus preached. This is what, this is what he gave us. This is what he put on the inside of us. And he preached it and preached it and preached it so we can release it. And when we release it, that's when, that's when healing comes forth. That's when, that's when love is released. That's when all these things are released. But he's placed it on the inside of us. And we need to get to that place where we, where we release it. Don't just, don't just grab a hold onto it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab a hold and I'm going to keep everything for myself. No, no, allow God to flow these things into us and flow out of us. Amen. Because he is that good. Thank God for the kingdom. And thank God for the kingdom that dwells on the inside of each and every one of us. Amen. Well, that's a nice little kind of lead into, into what we're going to be talking about today. You know, the last, I don't know, several, two or three months, I guess we've been on the spirit-led life. And we brought that kind of to a conclusion last week. But we're going to kind of go into a different direction today. We're going to go into a different direction. But, but many of you guys know that anytime when... Uh, if y'all been around this church for any period of time at all, you'll know that the, that the Spirit-led life or being taught to be led by the Spirit never actually leaves what we teach. It is kind of a, a core foundational 
you know, doctrine of this church that we, uh, that we're, that we talk on over and over and over and always gets brought into sermons because it is, it is powerful. It's a lot, it's something that the church is lacking, not our church, but it's something that the church as a whole, as a body of Christ, we are, we are lacking. We need to, we need to come to this place where we yield to it. And how do we yield to it? We need to hear teaching on it. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, now last week, if y'all tuned into our Wednesday service, you would have heard an amazing message by brother John last week. And he made a, he made a comment. He almost stole my message. I was going to preach. As a matter of fact, I, I maybe haven't, I'm going to push that off maybe for next week because the Holy Ghost wanted me to go into a different direction. But, but he made this comment that was, that was very significant, I believe. And he said, he said that, Leaders, your church leaders, pastors, your, your teachers, you know, the, the spiritual leaders that we have in our lives, it goes, they can teach you many things from the word. They can, they can teach you how to stand in faith. They can teach you to how, how to be led by the spirit. We can even teach you how to, how to receive healing from the living God. But there's one thing we can't teach you. Amen. There's one thing that, that leadership can't teach you, and that is a desire. Amen. It is a desire to, to, of the things of God. It is a desire to, to press in, a desire to allow God to, to move in you and move through you in, in, in everything that we do. You know, this is something that you hear me say week in and week out. Week in and week out, you hear me say, we need to, we need to be a people that desire to be intimate, that intimate with the things of God. Get into intimacy, intimacy, you know, get into the presence of God. Pray, you know, see, uh, study the word of God, get into church, you know, be intimate with the things of God. We need to make room for him. And what you say, why is that? Because if we don't, if we don't make room for him, if we don't, if we don't get to that place where we have a desire to be in his company, there's no way, you know, we can be led by the spirit. It won't happen. There's no way you're going to be able to stand out, stand up in faith when, when a circumstance rises up against you. There's no, there's no way you're going to be able to, to receive healing when, when healing's already on the inside of you, amen? And there's no way you're going to be able to receive it or, or unleash it by faith on the inside of you unless you come to that place where you're in intimacy with him, where you trust him, where he is, he is the numero uno. He is the number one in everything in your life, amen? And you're so intimate with him, you don't have to think about the things. You don't have to allow your intellect to say, should I do this or should I? I not do this. No, just, just the goodness of God, the kingdom begins to flow out of you and it begins to change your life. Amen. It begins to change your life. Now, now church, I think some of our problem is as the body of Christ, as we've gotten into this place and I've been, I've been hearing this phrase here a lot since you know, the, you know, they've started shutting down the, you know, the church and we have to go down to online services again, just like we, just like we were in the past, you know, people have gotten, gotten to say these, gotten on the sidelines from the things of God or, or justifying the sidelines of God. And they're saying, man, everything's going to work out for good. You don't have to worry about these things, man. Everything's going to work out for good. And I'm here to tell you today, church, we need to stop manipulating the scripture, amen, to justify ourselves, not getting into his presence, not getting into what he has for us. Amen. Because see, most of us just don't want to take the responsibility for what God is, uh, for what God has given us the responsibility for. We want to, we want to point to him. We want to point to the people around us. You want to point to your pastor. You want to point to God and say, why weren't these things working? You know, why, why, why aren't these things working for me now? And I'm telling you most of the time, and I mean, maybe 99.9% of the time, God is waiting on you to do something. How many, how many of you guys know that God has put the kingdom in you. God's put things on the inside of you and he's waiting on us to do do something. It's not, everything's just going to turn out for good because I'm a Christian. That, that's a manipulation of that verse. Well, well, let's go there. Come on now. Let's go to, let's go to Romans 8 here. Let's go to Romans 8. 
And in Romans 8, let's, let's, let's bump back up and see what these preceding verses say. In verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not, we know not what we should pray. We know not what we should pray. For as, uh, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings. That cannot be uttered. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. He helps our weaknesses when we don't know what to pray. When we, when we get into that spot where, we, where we're weak. Because when we are weak, that's when we can, go, we can draw near. We can get strong in Him. Amen. It says that, that, uh, we, that He helps our infirmities when we don't know what to pray. For the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. The Holy Ghost will intercede for us. The Holy Ghost will go unto us on behalf of the Father. The Holy Ghost will speak. Speak unto the Father on our behalf. He, in, he intercedes. He stands in the gap for each and every one of us. How does he do that? By interceding through praying in tongues, through praying in the Spirit, by praying in the Holy Ghost, by praying in other tongues, church. This is, this is something we need to grab a hold of. What, what does it say in 1 Corinthians 2.10? It says, it says um, but God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. Because the Spirit goes and he searches out all things. He searches out even the deep things of God. See, the Holy Ghost, see, he goes out, he, he's going out and he goes and gets into the presence of the Father and he, and he looks up and he, see, and he sees our provision. He sees our healing. He sees everything that we need to, 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 to walk and be victorious in this life. And what does he do? He brings them back to our spirit. He brings them back to us and he begins to reveal them to us and he starts, you know, saying something on the inside of us like, and when we start speaking out those things, we start speaking out the intercession of God on our behalf. Amen. The Holy Ghost speaking out these things on our behalf. I'm telling you, it's powerful church. He says, and he that searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit of the Holy Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. According to the will of God. How many know when he's making intercession, when we're praying in the spirit, he is making an intercession. That is the will of God. Amen. You don't have to wonder. I wonder, I wonder if that lines up with the word. I wonder if this is this. Now, when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, it is the will of God. It is the Spirit of God yielding. We are yielding unto the Spirit of God, speaking these things through us in each and in to, to, uh, to whatever circumstance may be, may be rising up in your life. I'm telling the church, this is something we, the church has to get back to it. The church has to get back to praying in the Spirit. Because see, when we begin to start praying in the Spirit, when we, when we allow the Holy Ghost to reveal these things and unleash them through our mouths by the Holy Ghost, then what happens? Then you get to verse 28, and it says, And we know that all things... Without all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. I mean, not just because you're saved, everything that's going to work out for good. I mean, it's when we get to that place of intimacy and desire and get pressed into the things of God, allow God to begin to pray through us, all things are begin to, will begin to work out for good for them that love God and are called according to His purpose. That What is called according to His purpose? The ones that are, that are getting into His presence, the ones that are praying, that are seeking Him, that are studying the Word of God, that are meditating on the Word of God, that, that, are, that are into the church, that are gathering together, that are sharpening each other up. The, this, this is the will of of God that we got to get into church. Why? Because then all things are going to work out for good. All things are going to work out for good. You want to find purpose in your life? Hmm? You want to find your purpose? You want to find how, how, how all things work out for good? Begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in other tongues. 
I'm telling you, church, I find myself, I pray more in the spirit now than I probably pray in English. Why? Because it is the perfect anointed prayer of the spirit of God. He, he's looking forward and he, see, he sees this mountain. He sees the adversary rising up and he sees all the little pitfalls, all the snares, everything that he has to hinder me, to stop me and what, and what I'm called to do. And it see, as the more we pray in the Holy Ghost, the more we get intimate with the spirit of God, then we can hear him when he's saying, oh, move to the left. You don't want to take that step right there. I'll back up just a little bit, you know, because there's something coming from me. Now, now that devil's fixing to rise up in front of you. You need to stand up and speak to that devil and cast him into the sea. I'm telling you, churchers, we need to, we need to get to that place. Amen. Get to that place of praying in the spirit. See, see many of us Pentecostals, we, we think, oh, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I, I spoke in tongues once. Once, and I've, and I've never done it again. But it was an amazing experience. Well, church, I'm telling you, you can have that amazing experience every minute of your life as you just allow the Spirit of God to pray through you. I mean, I'm not talking about acting like a crazy man walking down the street and, and trying to draw attention to yourself. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying pray in the Spirit. This, see, you ever wonder what Paul was talking about when he said we need to be praying without ceasing? This, this is what he was talking about. Pray, praying in the spirit, pray underneath your breath. I'm telling you, when things start coming up, I'm telling you, it'll bring a peace on the inside of you if you will get to that place to pray in the spirit. You know, there's, you know, I can only think of some of the people that may be watching. They're like, I don't know about all that tongues business. I don't know. Those kind of those tongues are kind of weird. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do those things. I don't know. That that's not doesn't go with my denomination. I don't know if I should be doing those things. Well, I'm telling you. Listen to me, today. I am telling you to stop fighting against the kingdom of God. Stop fighting against God. This is the kingdom culture. This is the culture that God has placed upon this earth. This is what he's placed on the inside of us. And it is only for the church. It is only for this day and age that we live in right now. And I would, I would even venture to say that even when we get to heaven, you know what language we're going to be speaking? I say, I say 100% that we'll be speaking in tongues. Now, tomorrow back there, she'll say, no, we're, we speak Russian when we get up into heaven. But see, that, that, she, don't, don't listen to her. Amen. I'm telling you, we will, I believe, I believe we'll be speaking in tongues. Why? Because it is, it is, the, it is the language of the church. It is the language of the Spirit. It is what the Spirit is speaking through us unto the Father himself. I don't see how these things will change when we get to heaven. Only difference is we'll be able to probably know everything that's coming out of our mouths. Amen. Now, I'll, I'll mention that. You say, you say well, well, how do you, can you know anything? thing that you're praying. Well, yeah, you can. You can. You can ask the Lord for an interpretation of the things that you're praying out in the spirit. But listen, that doesn't mean that he's going to give you an interpretation of everything you're praying. Why? Because some things you don't need to know. Amen. You may be interceding for someone else on their behalf and you don't need to know what's going on necessarily. Amen. But we can ask for an, uh, for an interpretation and I encourage you to do it. Why? Because the Bible says to do it. Amen. Ask for that interpretation. And what, what will happen there when you start having the, the interpretation of your tongues in your private life and your, and your devotional life, then sometimes those things may come out in the public life. Amen. Once we get comfortable with being in intimacy, knowing that when God's leading us in this direction, it's not some devil that's trying to do it. It is, it is God trying to move through us to encourage people and, and to help people do the things that, that we're called to do. Amen. Now, I don't know why I got off on all that, but praise God, I think it's good. It's good anyway. Amen. We need to get to that place where we are conformed Amen. And I, well, matter of fact, I believe that's the next verse there. We need to be uh, uh, conformed into the image of his dear son. Amen. And not be so pushing back about what we think is weird. Amen. We need to be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ here. Amen. So what am I saying here? 
What am I to saying, church? We have got to have a desire for God. We have to have a desire for his presence. We have to have a desire for intimacy with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Ghost more so than we have a desire with Facebook. Amen? More so than you have a desire with intimacy with Facebook. Let me put it to you that way. An intimacy with Netflix. An intimacy with your podcast you know, teachings. An intimacy with your job that you're working 24-7. Or even an intimacy with your family. I'm telling you, this intimacy with the living God has to trump every relationship, every desire you have in your life. Why? Because then it'll bring perfection into the, into the rest of your desires. Amen? But we have to put first things first. And first things first is, is allowing ourselves to, to be in an intimacy with the living God. I'm telling you, it's, you know, I used to think that that was such a, a, ter- a terrible thing when you know, my, my, my father used to say that his, 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 his mother, my grandmother, which is, a, which, is a, which is a great woman of a mighty God, and she, and she would always say, you know, I, I love God so much more than I love you. Or and she'd, say, she'd say things like that, you know, and, and I'd say, how, how in the world can you say things like that? But, but I'm telling you, now that I've come to that place of intimacy, when I've come, when I've, when I've gotten this thing, you know, in, in perfect alignment and it's, and it's corrected, my relationship is, is in perfected righteousness with him, then all these other relationships just fall into place. They just fall into place and they get perfected because I'm perfected this way. Amen. There is no substitution. Hmm? I mean, there's no substitution for, for a relationship with him. There is no substitution for an intimacy with him. We can't fill that intimacy with any other thing. And I'm telling you, we as the body of Christ, me, I've done it myself. We, we try to fill it with many things. I'm telling you, but there is no substitution for it. There is absolutely no substitution with spending time with him. You say, well, hmm. you say, well, pastor, I, you know, I'm not intimate with those other things. Well, well I'll, I'll just say, you know, while we're, while we're in this self-evaluating process here of being quarantined or being uh, isolated, whatever we are right now, you know, this needs to be a time that we, we, start, we start looking in at ourselves. I mean, how, how much are we spending time with these other things and how much, are we, how much time are we spending with him? Amen. You see, you can, if, you, if, you will, if you will be bold enough to analyze these things, you'll be able to cut back on some things. I'm not saying go throw your TV in the bin, go disconnect your internet. I'm not, I'm not saying those things. I'm saying get your priorities right. Amen. This needs to be a day and an age that we're living in. Because I'm telling you, we are, if we are not the end of the end, I don't know when the, what the end is going to look like. But I'm telling you, we, we, are, we are venturing towards this time when Jesus is coming back for his church. And I'm telling you, we, we need to be that place that's an in intimacy. We need to be a, a people that know our God. Not just know him, but we're intimate with him. Amen. Why? Because if we are intimate with him, we'll know when he's coming. Amen. You may not know the exact time or the exact hour, but we will know the season. Amen. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will reveal these things to each and every one of us. Amen. Listen, if we're not, if we are not in intimacy with the Lord, if we don't get in intimacy with the Lord, this is how much of us in the body of Christ we begin to fall back into our old practices and our own ways or old ways of, of living as the world or our own justifying ourselves living a, a sinful life. It, it, it's from a lack of intimacy in each and every one of us. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'd even say many in the church, we get a jaded heart. 
Amen. We get jaded at, at, at the things of God. We get jaded at him. Amen. Because things don't begin to work out in our lives because things aren't, things aren't, you know, things aren't happening like they did when they did in the beginning. Things aren't as easy as they were when I first got saved and, 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 uh, and end up getting irritated with God. I'm telling you, this is a trap. This is a trap. And I'm telling you, church, don't fall into it. Don't fall into it. You, you know, you look, you look at, you know, most of the people here and they talk about the, they talk about this great, great nation we live in. They say, man, this is such a, a, a place, man. They, they hate God here. They hate, they hate God. And I'm telling you, they don't hate God here. You know, they hate religion. They don't hate God. They hate religion. But see, they found that religion, as it, as it started getting spoken up and started controlling things, I'm telling you, they started pushing back against religion. They started pushing back with everything they had against religion, started walking away from religion. And when they walked away from religion and didn't get into that place of intimacy, that next generation doesn't know who he is. They don't know who the Father is. They don't know who the Son is. They don't know who the, the Holy Ghost is. And so they don't know him, so they, they don't want those things. But you know what? Praise God. That's what he's called each and every one of us to do. That's why God called us to be over here. That's why he's called each and every one of you that are planted in this church not to sit back and not say anything. He's called you to be an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of the living God. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Amen. You are a holy nation. You are a, I love it, you are a peculiar people. You are a peripoasis. You are, a, you are an exclusive people owned by another. And I'm telling you, church, we have a responsibility to sow these things into the world that's around us. We have have a responsibility, as Pastor Kimberly was saying, to release that kingdom uh, to the people around us, to make a difference, to make a difference. See, we need to be so infilled with the Holy Spirit and, and filled with his presence that you can't keep your mouth shut, that you can't be quiet about the things of God. You can't allow things to, 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 that, are, that are contrary to the word of God get infiltrated into your life. Why? Because the intimacy, it will push back against those things. Why? Because you'll have a clarion ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is having to say to us. Amen. I mean, how many of y'all remember it? I mean, because I, I, I know I, I can remember things back in the past. I remember when you, when we first got, uh, when you first got saved, right? How, how easy was it, you know, uh, to walk around being full of joy? I mean, glory to God, you know, everything, Every, all the colors look different. I mean, the world's just beautiful. Why? Because, you, man, you've been made new. Like, everything that you've done wrong is gone, and 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 world is just beautiful to you now. You just walk around singing, and everything's amazing. I'm telling you, it was a powerful time in your life, wasn't it? You know, you heard a message about healing, and, and you said, you know what? I feel that flu coming on. I feel that COVID-19 coming on. You said, you know what? I'm going to stand up. I'm going I'm to I'm do what that word says. And, and, and instantly, it was gone from you. Instantly. You're like, wow. That's so amazing. It's so amazing. God's just doing all these amazing things. You know, you're believing God for provision in your life. And what happened? It just knocked on the door. It just got dropped in the, in the post box. I mean, these things are so easy for us. They're so easy. What happened? We allowed religion to come in. We started saying, well, I'm, I need to check this box. I need to, I need to do that. But, but, but we don't have any intimacy. Hmm? And see, it's not that God stopped doing these things. We stopped receiving what he has for us, not being in the place of intimacy with him. You know, you know talking about this childlike faith and intimacy, you know, my wife tells a, a wonderful story here. She, uh, 
Uh, she says when she was, I mean, I, 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 this, is, this is some of the reasons why I wish I, I grew up a, a, a Christian. You know, she says, when I, was a, when I was a little girl, you know, she said, I, you know, she grew up on a ranch about 9,000 acres out in West Texas. And, and when they weren't running cattle or messing with quarter horses out there, she, you know, she was minding some kind of animal because she was pretty much of a tomboy back in those days. And she said, I would go, I'd go hide in my closet. And, I, and I'd start talking to God. I'd start praying and, and seeking God. And, and I'd ask God to say, Lord, you know, bring my cat to me. Bring my cat to me. And then she said she'd just wait there for a few minutes, having no doubt that God was going to bring that cat to her. And all of a sudden, she'd hear that cat scratch on the door. And she'd open up the door and she'd grab that cat and just sit there and pet on the cat and, and be joyful in the Lord, thanking God for all the amazing things that would happen. I'm telling you, it was a childlike faith. But why? How, how, did, how, does, how does a child get into that place? But, but we as adults can't get there. I mean, we, can, we do it when we're a child in, in the things of God, but when we get, when we get older in the things of God, what, what happens there? We allow religion to come on the inside of us and we lose our intimacy. Church, we have got to get into that place where we are seeking Him with everything that we have in our life. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know where we got to this place that, that things, you know, you get bombarded by people that are saying how things are so difficult in their lives. And I mean, Christians have been Christians for 30, 40 years. You know, they get to this place where like, I, I don't even know if I believe the things I used to believe. I don't even know if I believe that, that, that Jesus really is our healer. Yeah, I mean, I believe he healed some people. I just, I just don't know if, he, if he's my healer. I don't know if he wants to heal me. I don't know about that, that faith message, man. That, that faith stuff, that was, that, was, that was stuff that was done away with a long time ago, man. That, that has nothing to do with what, what's building the church nowadays, you know. What, you know how, do, how do we get into this place to where, to where we're not receiving from him? Hmm? So we've walked away from our intimacy. We've walked away from our intimacy. I'll shoot you straight here. <laughs> I'll shoot you straight here. You know, God does not want us to live by miracles. See, so much of us in the body of Christ, we're looking for, we're looking for a miracle to take place. We, all we need is a miracle. I just need one more miracle. I just need one this and that. And when that does not take place, it's, I, I don't know if God does this anymore. I'm telling you, God does not desire us to live by miracles. He does not desire us to live by, by the spectacular, the supernatural, spectacular things of God. He doesn't desire it. You say, well, what does he want us to live by? He wants us to live us by the Spirit. He wants us to live by the leading of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to, to live a lifestyle of faith is how he wants us to live. He doesn't want to jerk us and command us in every direction. Amen. He wants to lead us, guide us, and direct us in what we're doing. He wants us to be men and women of faith. Amen. To believe what he has to say and allow these things to come into fruition. See, miracles happen when people that can't stand in faith. How many of y'all know that? See, God provides miracles to people when they're not standing in faith. You say, well, man, I've never, I've never received a miracle. Well, praise God. That means you're standing in faith for things. Amen. We need to stand in faith. We need to allow, we need to allow the, the word of God. We need to allow the spirit of God. We need to allow God to work in us the things that he's already provided for us. Amen. Not, not just be pushing back and, and waiting for a miracle to happen in our lives. Amen. Because it's not always going to happen. And I'm saying thank God for miracles. I'm thankful for him. I want to see miracles happen day after day after day in this church. I mean, I want to see him on the streets when we walk outside. But see, but see I, want, I prefer those miracles to be the people that aren't believing. Why? Why? Because that's going to draw them into the kingdom. Amen. Why? Because it's so easy for us to, to receive by faith. 
I mean, we don't, we don't necessarily need the miracle. Amen. Thank God for him, but we don't necessarily need him. We, we have this mustard seed of faith that we can receive everything that God has for us. Amen. Everything that God has for us. We just got to come to that place where we, where we actually believe the word. We have a, a hope rise up on the inside of us. I mean, and not a hope like most people think of hope nowadays. Like, I hope it don't rain in Ireland this year. No, no, a hope. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a confident expectation that God is going to do exactly what he said. Amen. And we can step out in faith and allow those hopes to come into fruition in each and every one of us. Amen. This, see, this is where our, our, our prayers of faith get answered. This is where our, our prayers of authority and casting out demons, this is, when, this is when things come to pass. This is when we can speak to sickness and disease and these things will line up with the things that we speak. This is when we can ask things in prayers of petition and supplication and we get answers. This is when we can pray things out in the spirit and we believe that all things will, will come to pass. All things will be done. Why? Because it will. It will. But it's in that place of faith. Amen. It's in that place of faith. Amen. Now, on the flip side of that, just like we talked a couple weeks ago, now the Holy Ghost will lead you into places where you may come up into a battle. Amen. He may lead us into a place where we're in, into a place of friction, knowing that, that you're going to have to get through this friction, this battle, this circumstance, this tribulation, because I got something real powerful for you over here on the other side, but I need you to learn what you're going to learn right through here. Cause you, you got the tools to, to, to defeat the adversary. You got the tools to, 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 to defeat that sickness. You got tools to defeat what the adversary is trying to bring against you. Amen. But, but I'm going to need you to walk through those things. I don't want to perform a miracle right there. I need you to walk through those because, see, I got something lined up for you 20 years down the way, and you need, you need that tool right now. You need to grab a hold of that tool that's being given to you right now to where you can fulfill what I'm calling you to do. Amen? So he said, don't get, so don't get irritated when things don't look right. Amen? Oh, I need a miracle. No, 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 no. What we need to do is, is begin to look in. Look in. Oh, Lord, you know, where, where, which direction you want, you want me to go? Which direction would you have me to go? What, do you need me to take a right? Do you need me to take a left? What would you, what would you have me to do? You say, well, what happens if I fail? <laughs> I tell you to, to give it another go. Amen. What happens if I fail? Well, get off off your hind side and stand up and begin to pursue the things of God again. Amen. Don't, hey, it doesn't matter if you, I'm telling you, there's no such thing as failing. There's no such thing as losing unless you stop. So what do you do? Stand back up. You know, look on the inside of you. Stop, stop looking at God and blaming him. Why did I lose this, Lord? Why did you bring this to me, Lord? Stop blaming him. Church, stop blaming him. Let me, let me give you a word today. Stop blaming God for the things that are going on wrong in your life. It's not God that's doing it. God's the answer. God's the answer to these things. He's not your problem. He is not your adversary. He is the one that's by your side. He is the one leading you and guiding you and directing you. He's the one that gave you all tools. You say, well, what am I supposed to look at? Everyone take your finger and begin to point it right here. This is where you look. You look right here on the inside of yourself. You say, Lord, where did I miss it? Lord, what, what am I missing here? Lord, Lord what, do I need to change something? Do I need to move in a different direction? Do I need to, to, to uh, hear something I'm not hearing from you? What, what, what is it? But see, this, this is the problem. That's never the problem. This is the problem 100% of the time. Not, not him. We need to get, in, get to that place where we're not blaming him or blaming others around us. Oh, come on, church. Stop blaming your neighbor. Stop blaming your wife. Stop blaming your children. Stop blaming your parents for, their, for where your life is right now. Now, I'm telling you, begin to look on the inside. Because I'm telling you, he's given you every tool to be successful. 
He's given us every tool to be victorious in, the, in our things in life. Everything in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's, let's go to Mark 9. I say, you know, what, you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? I'll steal this one from my pastor. You know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> now I want to show you something here. I want to show you something here in, uh, in Mark chapter 9. Amen. He said, and he said to them, verily, I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power, with dunamis, with this explosive dynamite power. He's saying there's, there's some of you, there's a handful of you that, that, that will see this. Now, this was, a, this was a word of wisdom that Jesus was speaking forth to his disciples. Amen. Now, now kind of give you a, a, a little background here. If you just scroll up a few, different, uh, a few verses ahead of this in chapter 8, you'll see that this is the, the place where God revealed unto Peter when, when Jesus asked, he said, who am I? And then, and then he said, you are, you are the Christ. You are the, you are the son of the living God. You are, you are the Messiah. This, this is you. And, he, and, and what did Jesus say? You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal these to you. And, and Matthew said, flesh and blood didn't reveal these things to you, right? But the Father has revealed these things unto you. Amen. And then you go, you kind of scroll on down just a few, and a few verses later, you see that, that Jesus was telling his disciples like, man, he goes, you know, I'm telling, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a word here. Things are coming up. Amen. I'm, I, I'm fixing to get persecuted by the church. I'm going to get persecuted by, by the religious leaders. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die. But you know what? Three days later, I'm going to be raised again. And then, and then Peter, on behalf of all the other disciples, walked over and he started rebuking Jesus. He started rebuking Jesus. Now, he wasn't saying, I rebuke you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He, he wasn't. That's not, that's not what he was saying. You know, he came with Jesus like, man, Jesus, I don't think this is the, I don't think, I don't, I don't think this is right, man. You got, you got all of us. You got, look, you got your crew. You got 12 guys, man. All you need to do is take your crown, and you can step up and be king right now. Because, see, I know, I know you're called to free Israel. I know, I know you're called to, to raise us back to life. So you got the crew with us, man. You know, we'll die for you. We're not going to do anything else. We, we got you. You're not dying. The, the, they're not going to persecute you. No, no, no. You just go take your place. Take your throne right now. Amen. And then what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Why? Because I'm telling you, he was given a word of things that were about to happen. Amen. And what, and, what, and what does man do? What does the adversary try to do? Try to give a manipulating word. No, you don't have to do this. You know, say, Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. I'll do exactly what the Father has called me to do. Amen. And then even after all that, he says, there's a few of you. He goes, there's, there, there, there's, there's a few of you that are going to see the kingdom. They're going to see the kingdom and all of its power. That word, that word see there is the Greek word horeo, and it means, it means to appear or to experience. So he's saying there's going to be some of you here that are not, are not just going to put your eyes on the kingdom because they're looking at the kingdom. Not just going to put, but you're going to, you're going to, the kingdom is going to appear to you and you're going to experience the kingdom of God come right before you. I'm telling you, that is powerful. I'm telling you, every one of them ought to have been, ought to have been desiring. I said, I want to be one of them. I want, I want to be them. I want to be one. I'm, I'm part of the 12. I want to see that, right? And thought what you guys would be doing if, if Jesus said that. I'd be like, I'm one of them. I'm going to stick by your side. I'm never going to leave. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right because I, because I want to see that kingdom. Amen. I want, I want to see the kingdom be glorified through you. And then in verse two, it says, in six days, 
Six days later, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, and he led them up to the, into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And we know this, this metamorphosis took place. The, the kingdom of God was, was released you know, from the inside of Jesus to where, to where it appeared. They, they, these are the few. These are the ones that, 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 that took a hold of the kingdom. They're the ones that saw the kingdom. They're the ones that the kingdom appeared and they got to experience the kingdom. They got to experience it. But see, if a few days earlier he was saying, you know, only a few of you are going to do it, why, where were all these other disciples? Have you ever thought about this? He said, I'm telling you, church, sometimes we need to meditate in the word of God. Why, why were not the other disciples with them? You say, well, because Jesus liked these three better. You know, he loved James. He loved John. He loved Peter. They're, they're his top crew. You know, of course he's going to take them with him. I mean, he, he, he took them and told the rest to stay there. Well, well that's not what, what does the word say, though? Jesus doesn't favor people. Jesus doesn't favor people. He didn't favor these three over he favored the, the other Nine. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't favor those three over them. That, that's not our Lord. What, what does Romans 2 say? For there's no respect of God. There's no, he, God is not a respecter of persons. There's no, there's no respect of persons with God. The New Living says that God shows no favoritism. He shows no favoritism. See, contrary to popular belief, God doesn't choose one person over another. You see, he doesn't choose me. He doesn't adore me and love me as much as he does. He doesn't, he doesn't love me more than any one of you. He doesn't love us more than any one of the people that are walking down the streets that have yet to know him yet. He, he loves them. He loved them so much he gave his son for them. Amen. He loves humanity. He loves people. He, he doesn't choose the white person over the black person. He, he, he doesn't have no favoritism there. He doesn't choose the, the messianic Jew over the Arabic Jew. No, he, 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 that's, not, that's not the way God works. He doesn't choose the American over the European or the European over the South American. No, that's, that's, not, that's not the way God works. He has, he has no favoritism among the family. Now, with that being said, if he didn't have any favoritism and these, and these disciples would have known that, amen, why weren't they with him? Why weren't they with him? I mean, God, God poured out his, his uh, power. He pulled out his authority on him. Go, go uh, in, in three chapters over in Mark chapter 6. What is that in verse Seven here it says, and he called and he called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth. He sent them out two by two, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. See, he 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 didn't just say, Hey, John, Peter, James, y'all come over here. You come over here because I'm gonna give you authority and you're gonna go cast out devils, you're gonna go raise the dead, you're gonna go heal the sick. But these other these others, nah, I'm I'm they're they're gonna need to because they got some things to learn. No, that's not what he did. He, he poured it out upon all of them. He poured, about, he poured it out upon all of them. So why were James, John, and Peter, why were they the only ones that, that went up to the mountain? It was a high mountain. See, it didn't just say they went up to the hill. It says they went up to the, to the high mountain. See, James, John, and Peter, they, they, they didn't allow this high mountain to get them out of the position to be in an intimacy with the living God. 
I mean, the other ones are looking up at that mountain. They're like, man, it's been a pretty rough week, yo. It's, it's been a pretty, pretty rough week, Jesus. You know, I know some people are going to be coming. Maybe we'll come down here and we'll, we'll hang out with them for a little bit. We'll keep them at bay. I know you like to go pray. Why don't you, why don't you just go up there and go, and go pray? You know, go pray with yourself. You know, no, no. These, these three said, you know, I'm going to be in his hip pocket. I'm going, I have a desire to be in his presence. I don't care if we got to scale cliffs. I don't care if we got to go in the valley. I don't care if we got to go to Mount, to, to, whatever the tallest mountain in the world may be, Mount Kilimanjaro or something. I don't care what it is. I'm going with you. I'm going to be in your hip pocket because I want, I desire you. I want you. I want your presence. I want everything you have to offer. See, Jesus didn't make these others stay. As, as, as many people may think, you know, I'm telling you, these other disciples looked at it and said, man, it's a lot of work. See this, this, see, this is what a lot of the church likes to say, man. I, I mean, intimacy is great. I understand you talking about all those things, but man, it's a lot of work. Don't you understand how tired I am? Don't you understand how many hours I work? Don't you understand what's going on in my family? Don't you, don't you understand, you know, aren't these things only for the preacher? You know, when, 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 why, why is the preacher putting this demand on us? Isn't he supposed to be the one getting intimate and then bringing it back to us? Huh? And even the greatest one, the greatest excuse of all is, man, I'm already there. I'm already there, so, so I don't need to worry about getting into that again. I don't, need to, I don't need to worry about getting into his presence again. I'm telling you, the fact is that you're too lazy. You don't want it enough. You don't want it enough. It's too much hard work for you. It gets, it gets, in, the, it gets in the middle of your time and what you want to do. Is that, is that plain enough for you? Is that plain enough? See, I'm telling you, church, we, we, we got to get into this place. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, there's, there's life and death. There's healing. There, there's, there's healing or there's disease. There's, there's provision or there's failing in your provision. All these things are found in that place of intimacy. And if we are too lazy because we got such a busy life, I'm telling you, church, you need to change your life. Don't, don't change that place of intimacy. Change, change your life. We need to change those things that are going on, uh, going on around us. I mean, because see, maturing as a Christian, it don't just happen. See, all of us think, oh man, I've been saved for 30 years, I'm mature. Wrong. Wrong. You know, remember, what did we talk about in the Spirit-led life? What does the Word say? That, that the mature sons are the ones that are led by the impulses of the Spirit. How can we be led by the impulses of the Spirit? And the only way we can be led by the impulses of the Spirit is being intimate with the Spirit. Amen. This is how maturity comes. We, we mature in the things of God by being intimate in the things of God. Amen. We mature in the things of God by being intimate in the things of God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about the spirit of the Lord today, church. If you, if you don't have the desire to be intimate that with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, if you don't have a desire to be intimate with these things, you're going to lack the benefits of intimacy. You're going to lack all the provision of intimacy that he has for us. I'm telling you, church, we, we got to make the decision and make it today. Amen. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that God won't bless you. God, God is going to continue to try to pour out things for you. He's going to still try to, to set up things for you. But I mean, God can't give you the fullness of what he wants for you unless we get into that place. Why? Because see, it's like God's offering the full cake. And when you just take a little, a little pinch of the cake and you're satisfied with it, Amen. It, it, it gets you into the place where you can't receive him. See, God's going to continue to pour out for you. But see, he can only 
only pour out as much that you will take. He'll only pour out as much as you'll receive. Does that make sense to you? So he'll, he'll pour out. See, people say, well, I don't know why I can't get healed. Well, God, it's not that God didn't pour out healing for it. He's pouring it, he's pouring it, he's pouring it. But you've got to get to that place where you're receiving, you're receiving, you're receiving. Amen. You're, you receive the things that he has for you. See, God's already lined out all these things because he can only allow things to come through our life that we are a little... Uh, that we will uh, allow ourselves to grab a hold of and then allow them to be released. It's, it's as simple as that. And it starts with this place of intimacy. It starts with this place of intimacy. In verse 3, it says, And his arraignment became shining, exceedingly white as snow, as no, as no launderer on earth could wipe them. And then you, and you scroll on down to, uh, to, to verse 7, and, and, you, and, we, and we know that you know, Elijah came down, we know Moses came down, they're all communing, communing with Jesus and chatting, sharpening each other up, talking about the things that are to come. And it says that this cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of this cloud saying, saying this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son son, hear him, hear him. Now listen, when they, when they're in this place of intimacy, not only did they see and experience the kingdom of God, the Shekinah glory came in and filled the place, filled them, engulfed them in it, and then started speaking to them. Not only did they experience that what the kingdom looked like, they got to experience the voice of the father himself saying this. I mean, can you imagine the things rocking around this? You know, this, this is my son. This is my beloved son. Hear him. You know, when God spoke for it to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, it shook when he spoke. I'm telling you, this is the, this is the presence of God. This is, the, this is that place we've got to be desiring to get into. He says, he, says, don't, he says, hear my son. He didn't say, just listen to him. Don't listen to the preacher. Just don't do this. No, he said, hear him. Allow him to get stamped upon your heart. Allow the word of God to be stamped upon every, every part of you. Now skip on down to, to verse 14. Now they're, they're coming on down, to, down the mountain here, and we see in verse, uh, verse 14, uh, and he says, He came into his disciples, and he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them, or the scribes arguing with them. The scribes, uh, as the Amplified says, as the scribes were disputing against them. So get this picture. You know, Jesus and, 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 uh, and, uh, and his disciples, uh, James, uh, James, John, and Peter, they're, they're cruising on down the mountain. And they're, you know, you know they're, they're happy. You know they're full of joy. All these amazing things. Like, man, I just, can you believe the things that we just saw? It's amazing. You know, the power of God. You know, did you, did you see, did you sense that cloud come upon us? Did you hear the Father? Wow, these are amazing. Amazing. And they're all chatting, having a good time, coming down, coming down the coming down the mountain. And then Jesus looks down and he sees his disciples arguing with the scribes, arguing with them, disputing against the scribes. You know, I, t- I take this. Uh, I'll take a quote here from Damon Thompson that that I got several years ago. That's always that always stuck upon me when I when I read this verse. He says, "Religion arguing and apologetics always start with people not willing to go up the mountain." Did you hear that? Religion, arguing, and apologetics always start. Now, this is a man that used to be an apologist. He goes, religion, arguing, and apologetics always start with those who are not willing to go up the mountain. See, it's always real easy to argue with people. It's always easy to, to, to go for the win, right? I, I'm telling you, I know, I know this. You don't know that. When you get, you get into an argument with someone and you start fussing with them, start pushing back against them, start, start stripping things apart, start putting a divide on the inside, right? Why? Because you're, because you're not willing to go up the mountain. 
Because you're not willing to go up the mountain. You're not willing to take, take that, that seat. Amen. I've had, I'm telling you, I've been one of those my whole life. I've always been an arguer. I've always been a disputer. I always went for the win my whole life. I never backed down from anything. Never back down from anyone speaking something against me. Never back down from saying something that I didn't believe. I didn't care if it was right or wrong. I'm going for the win. Even if I knew I was wrong, I'm going for the win. I'm going to make you believe. Or I'm going to make you submit because I'm going to get louder. I'm going to talk longer. And I'm just going to be more stubborn than you are. And I'm going to make you submit to those things. I've been like that my whole life. Been my whole life. But I only changed. Change only came about when I became intimate. When I got into that place of the Father, when I got in that place to, to, to knowing how much He cares, how much He loves, and who He is and who He's made me to be, is where I've yielded where I don't really care. I don't, I don't really care. See, this is where I, I came to that, that place where I understood what Brother Hagin said. He get, he, Brother Hagin says, I, I will never argue with another person. I'll never do it. He says, I'll never argue with, a, with another man. I'll never argue with another person. And you say, well, why is that? Why, why wouldn't we want it? Because if you're, not, if you're arguing with someone, you're just trying to prove a point. And then now, see, I'll, 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 I will have conversations and we can be in disagreement, and that's okay, right? If we're trying to learn something from one another, try to teach one another, try to sharpen each other up. Now, those things are fine. I mean, I'm telling you, when you go to argument because you're just going for the win, I'm telling you, I'll walk away 100% of the time. And I guarantee I can probably win every one of them, but I'll walk away every time. I'll walk away every time. Why? Because it, it, when we get to this place of, of knowing uh, what intimacy is all about, you'll learn that that is a time waster. Amen? Arguing, dissension, disputing. It, it is a time-wasting thing that will take, that'll take, uh, that'll take time away from you and from the people that are around you. It's senseless. Amen? You say, why is that? Because most people don't even know what they believe. They don't even know why they believe what they believe. That's probably a better way of saying that. You know, they'll argue something because I was taught this way. I was brought up this way. You know, my daddy taught me this, or I learned this, this you know, from this school or from, from my minister. You know, I, I learned this from, from this way or that way. And I'm telling you, most people don't even know why they believe. They can't find, they don't know where it's at in the Word. They never studied it out. They just, they just grabbed a hold of it. So what do they do? They're just going for the win because they don't know why they believe something. They just go for the win. I'm telling you, that, that, is, that is a place that will bring nothing but strife and uh, division. Thank you, Lord. Division in your church and in your lives with everything you're doing. We need, to, we need to get out of that place, church. We need to get out of that place. Don't be wasting time. I say just stop it. Just stop it. Let's just stop it. Reminds me. It reminds me, I'm telling you, church, you know, and I'm going to give you a full, fair, fair warning or, and a forewarning. The more you desire intimacy, the more you get pressed into the things of God, the more you're going to have people come against you. Many of them will even be the church. Amen. It's the, the more my wife and I have got pressed in, the more people have come against me, the more people have come against my ministry, the more, the more people have come against my family. Amen. Why? Because, because we don't, we don't, we're not going to give in. We're not going to give back. We're just going to continue preaching. And, I'm, and I ignore the naysayers. Amen. I ignore, I ignore these naysayers. Because why is it? They're just trying to justify to themselves why they don't want to go up the mountain. They're just trying to justify themselves why they don't want to go up the mountain. 
I'm telling you, be mountain seekers. Be presence seekers. Don't allow anything to separate you from getting into that presence with the Lord. And straightway, in verse 15, and straightway, all the people, when they beheld him and were greatly amazed and running, they saluted him. And, his scri- and, and asked the scribes, say, what questions do you have with them? He asked the scribe, what questions do you have with my boys? Why? Because Jesus always has our back in everything that we do. And one of the multitude answered him and said, Master, I've brought unto thee, I've brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. He goes, and wheresoever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams, and he gnashes with his teeth, and he pines, or he's wasting away. He goes, I spoke, I spoke unto your disciples that they should cast them, that they should cast them out, but they couldn't. He goes, I, you know, I brought, I, you know, th- I brought your, I brought this, my boy, you know, my boy to your disciples, and I asked them to cast them out, but they, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Now, listen, church, it wasn't that the disciples couldn't do it. Amen. They had the authority. They had, they had the power already given to them. We saw that in, in, in uh, uh, Mark six seven, right? We saw those things. They, they had the power. They had the authority to do it. Amen. But what they lacked was the intimacy of the one that, that was working through them to, to allow these things to take place. Amen. Now remember, remember uh, yeah, let me, I'm going to scroll on back here to, to Mark chapter six. See, when these things were first given to him and they were intimate with him. When they were first intimate with him, in, in verse 12 here, it says, and they went out and, they, and, and preached that men should repent. This, this was their reaction. They, they, they got this authority, then they went out and preached that people should repent. Amen. And then they cast out many devils and anointed them with oil that were sick, and they healed them. They healed them. So people came up with devils upon them, and they, they cast those devils out. People that were sick came, and they anointed them with oil, and they healed them. They healed each and every one of them. Amen? This is, this is who the disciples were. This is what they were operating in. Amen? But see, just like, just like them in that days, many of us now, as we said earlier, you know, people are, man, remember I had, the, I had this word spoken over me that I'm going to be doing this in 15 years take place and nothing's ever happened, right? I've had, I've had, I've, I got healed back in, back in those days, but, but I'm really struggling with it now. I've received answer in my prayers back in those days, but I'm really struggling to, to receive it now. Amen. Why is because we get satisfied in what the things happened in the past. We get satisfied with those past and we get intimate with the world. Amen. Intimate with the circumstances going on around us instead of intimate with the one that is delivering us from the things of the world. In verse 19, he says, and he answered them and said, oh, you faithless generation, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. He said, oh, you faithless generation. You know, he didn't, a better translation of this is you unbelieving, you unbelieving generation, you without, with unbelief. Amen. He's saying, he's, saying, he's not saying they don't have any faith. He's saying you're an unbelieving generation. Now listen, you pay attention here because he didn't say, oh, you generation that doesn't have any power. That's not what he said, is it? No, he said, you, you unbelieving, you, unfa- you, you, you generation that's not operating in faith, you, you're operating in unbelief. He didn't say you didn't have power. Why? Because he already gave him power. Amen. He just said, you're not, you're not operating it. You're, you don't believe these things. I mean, so we can't get these two confused. See, see, Jesus himself has given us power. He's given us authority. That's what the word says. So he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He says, they will cast out devils in my name. They shall speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. See, see he's given us the power. Of authority. He's not going to give us any more power and authority. 
Amen? But why are we an unbelieving generation? This is, this is Jesus speaking to us. You know, I've given you all these things. You're an unbelieving generation. An unbelieving generation. See, Jesus said in, in Mark 11, you know, just a few chapters over, he says, if you, if you will have faith the size of a mustard seed, all you, guys are, all you got to have is a little bit of faith. If you have a faith the size of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, but, and you shall not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe that whatsoever things you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever things you sayeth. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you believeth, Whatsoever things that you desire when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. See, it doesn't say if you get this mountain of faith, you'll be able to move that mountain in front of you. No, he said, all you got to do is have this little bit, this little bitty mustard seed of faith and zero doubt. Zero doubt. See, this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, this interior duplicity, having, having faith and doubt operating on the inside of you. You can't have faith and doubt operating on the inside of you. You either have all faith or you have doubt and unbelief. See, if you have a little bit of faith and a lot of doubt, the doubt's going to win. If you have a whole lot of faith and a little bit of doubt, the doubt's going to win. You've got to put doubt and unbelief underneath your feet and outside of you in every circumstance if you desire God to move and operate in your life. It's as simple as that. See, he's already given you power. He's already given you authority. He's already given you healing. He's already given you provision. But how do you get your hands? How do we bring those things from the spirit down here into this natural world that we're living in? You do it by faith. You do it by faith, believing what the word of God says and, and releasing it through you. And these things will happen 100% of the time, not just once out of 10, not nine times out of 10, not only to, to Christians that are in Africa, not only, not only to the poor. No, no, it will happen to anyone that believes that they receive and they shall have it. It's as simple, and I mean it is as simple as that. And then he brought, and then he brought to them, and he said to them straightway, that the Spirit tore him, and the Spirit tore him, and he fell on the ground, and he, and he wallowed in foaming. And he asked his father, he said, you know, how, long, how long since he has came unto him? You know, Jesus, you know see, this demon tried to, tried to intimidate Jesus, but Jesus wasn't having it. He, as he just fell on the ground having a seizure, he turned and looked over at, the, over at this man and said, how long has this, how long is this, uh, this, this demon been upon this man? And he goes, as a child. He said, and oftentimes he cast him into the fire. And into the waters to destroy him. He goes, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us. He goes, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. See, this was the father he gave, he gave authority over, right? He gave authority over, over his son. Because this wasn't a, a young son. You know, take this. See, most of us, it's a little baby, you know, he's bringing over to Jesus. No, this was a son. This was like, this was like me carrying Jason over, over to meet Jesus, amen? Carrying a wee boy like that, you know? Just carrying him in your arms, you know, carrying him and laying him at the feet of Jesus, amen? This, this, he was carrying a, a young man, amen, and, and, and to the feet of Jesus. And he said, I give you, I'm giving you permission. If you can do anything, because I know who you are. I know you. I know you're the Lord. I know. I know, I know you're Messiah. I know, I know you're the prophet that healed. So I'm laying here. If you can do anything, just please release your compassion upon him. I love Jesus' response. Jesus says, if you can't believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Now that is, this, that is a terrible translation out of the King James. It's a terrible, you know, I like, uh, you can uh, look at, uh, in the Amplified, it says, and Jesus said, you say unto me, if you can do anything, he goes, why? All things are possible to him that believes. I like how the, uh, even the Passions translation, uh, it says, uh, what do you mean if? 
I said, what do you mean, if? She said, you're coming to me? You're laying this boy on my feet? You know who I am? You say, what do you mean, if I can do something? What do you mean, if I can do something? If you can believe, go, come on, church. If you can believe all things are possible to them that believe, what do you, what do you come to me if? If I can do something, because if you can believe, all things are possible. Let me say that one more time, because I don't think people are getting that. Jesus is saying, what do you mean if come and asking me these questions? What do you mean if I can heal, if I can provide for you, if I can deliver your family, if I can de deliver you from alcoholic abuse? What do you mean if? If you're coming to me, he goes, if you come to me, believe that you can receive these things and you can have them. Believe. All you got to do is believe, and these things are yours. All you got to do is believe. All things are possible. Hmm. Not just a couple things. All things. Anything you're believing for. Say, oh, you don't know how big, how big the things I'm believing. I'm telling you, anything you're believing God for. They're all possible. They're all possible if you, if you believe. If you believe. If you believe. He goes in straightway, the father, the father of the child cried out and said in tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, or, or better translated, help my little faith. You know, I believe, I believe, Lord, just, just help that little bit of faith that I have. And Jesus saw the multitudes coming to him, and he, and he rebuked that foul spirit, saying to him, you deaf and dumb spirit. He goes, I charge you to come out of him and you shall not enter him anymore. Now, now listen, I'm, this is not necessarily what we're talking about here, but I can't, I can't mention this verse and not, and not go here. You know, listen, what did Jesus, what did Jesus do here? And then Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't go now, father, you know, I've been in church five times this week. You know, will you please take the spirit away? He didn't, he didn't say, Father, you know, you, you saw how many times I gave, you know, in the offering this week. You know, Father, you know all the great, you know, Father, you know I've been studying the word this week. Father, Father you know, I've, I've been in prayer. You know, he, this isn't what Jesus said. You know, what did Jesus do? He operated in that intimacy that he had. He turned around and looked at that demon and he commanded that demon to leave that body. And he said, and you'll never come back in again. You'll never come back again, church. And we need to, we need to get to that place where we, we begin to speak to the situation, speak to the mountain, speak to the circumstance and stop begging God to do something that he's already done. He's already given you the authority to take care of these things in, in your life and in people's life if they'll give you the, the authority to do it. Amen. But we got, we got to yield to these things. We need to do things properly. And I promise you, you'll see a lot more things work for you if we do, if we do things the way the Word says it. Amen? You know, do, you know start, start, start following the way Jesus did things. Start following the way the disciples are doing th things. Start following the way ministers that are doing them. When, when you see results in their life, start, start following the way they're doing things and, and stop following what you think in your mind is right. Amen? Amen? Let's, let's follow the Word. The Word, the word will not let you down. Amen. Now let me finish with these, these uh, few verses here and then we'll, we'll close up. He goes in the spirit cried. He, he ran him and, uh, and he came out of him and, and the kid fell down like he was dead. And it says, and Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately and said, why couldn't we cast him out? Why, why, why couldn't we cast him out? You know, you did it with such ease. Why, why, you know, you, uh, you gave us the power. You gave us a thought. Why, why, why couldn't we do it? 
And he said, and this kind comes not out. Uh, it comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. He says, this kind comes not out. This kind comes not out by prayer and fasting. This kind of what? This kind of demon comes out by not by prayer and by fasting. Now listen, church. You can go through all the scriptures. You know, you're never going to find a scripture that says if you pray and if you fast, you can cast out devils. Amen. And see, if you, if you go to pray and fast and think that's going to remove a devil from you, you're, you're going you're to miss it. Amen. What do we do? We command devils in the name of Jesus. That's, that's what the word says. We command them and they shall leave. But see, but see what's he talking about here? Why, why does it say prayer and fasting? Because see, praying, praying and fasting will, will deliver us from the unbelief, amen, that is eating us up. The unbelief that is stopping us from receiving the things that we, that we need. Praying and fasting will, will rid us of the plague of unbelief, amen. Only prayer and fasting, only getting into this place of intimacy. You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. We'll go, go over to Matthew 17, 20, and Jesus makes it real, real plain. Like he says, they said, why couldn't I cast out that devil? He said, because your unbelief. It can't, be t- it, it can't come out unless you pray and fast. He said, why can't we cast? Because of your unbelief. Now, this kind comes not out by praying and fasting. Amen? Because why? What comes out by praying and fasting? It's our unbelief. When we get, when we, if we can have a desire to get into that place of intimacy, to seek him, to go up the mountain, to not allow anything separate ourselves from him, we will get into that place, church, where we will not have any doubt and unbelief, but we'll have the word rising up to us in everything in our life. Amen. Praying and, fa- praying and fasting is powerful. I encourage you to do it. Why? Because it will get all the doubt out of you. Amen. You, you say, well, well, I pray and fast a lot. Well, pray and fast more. Amen. Pray and fast more and study the word more. And I'm telling you, doubt and unbelief will leave you. Amen. Because we have to become intimate, church. We have to be people that become intimate with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then everything he leads us into, every desire he's placed in our heart, I will guarantee you 100% of these things will come to pass in your life. Amen. So, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to minister to your word today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to deliver something that's been such a a staple in my life here for the the last 15, 10 years, I guess, Lord. This, this, This level of intimacy, Lord, that we need to be pushing in, pulling in, scraping to, to get into with all we have, Lord, getting into your presence with everything that we have, Lord. I, I just release that. Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask that you, ask that you, uh, you, you, you nudge on, on our brothers and sisters. Anyone that's re, uh, listening to this, to this live stream right now, I ask that you, you nudge on them, Lord. You speak to them, Lord. You, you draw them into that place of intimacy, Lord, to, to, where, they, to where it's more important than, than what's on television. It's more important than Manchester United. It's more important than, 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 than whatever's going on around us, Lord. It, it is that place that we can have all doubt be removed. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for choosing us. Choosing us to be a people that will bring an encounter of the living God to this generation, to this world that we're in. Lord, I thank you for it and I praise you for it. I glorify you for it. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, Lord, as we close out this service, Lord, I, I, pray, over, I pray over our congregation, Lord, and we take a hold of Psalms 91 that says that no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place, Lord, for you give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways, to, to bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. Why? Because we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, Lord. This is the place that, that we are present seekers. We're, we're, we, are, we are people that are desiring intimacy with you over anything else in our lives. 
affluence. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We thank you that no, no wicked plan from a wicked man and the devil himself shall hinder us or harm us. Or we're protected as we're, as we're driving down the motorways. We're protected as we go down the airways, the seaways, the railways, or even the walkways, Lord, that no, no plans can harm us. No, no circumstances, no tribulations that rise up against us will, will get us off track or move us in a different direction. Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you, Lord, that we're not a dwindling church. Lord, we're a church that's on fire, Lord, expanding, Lord, releasing that fire of the kingdom of God into the people that are around us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this, this church is, is growing, Lord, that, that our families are getting saved, our families are getting healed, Lord, our neighbors are getting healed, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, for a boldness of each and every one of us to minister into someone's life this week as we are in work or, or on Facebook or whatever it may be, Lord. I, I thank you, Lord, for an opportunity that you set before each every one of us, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for Jesus, Lord. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, here at that island church. We are covered by your blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.